So Mark, I think um, I'll probably just give a bit of an overview for everyone on the services of FIFO, but actually how BSA have used them over the years. If I reflect on the last couple of years, FIFO have um, done anything, everything for, for us from an initial gap analysis on our systems and some bow tie risk analysis workshops to understand um, what critical controls we should be having in place as it uh, fits in with our risk profile. Um, I guess the other additional things um, early on um, in the FIFO space was they helped with some overflow resourcing where we were having some challenges um, in having uh, senior safety professionals to support a lot of projects and um, respond to some operational needs. So Mark and the team stepped in and led that at the time, um, in addition to um, invest serious uh, into investigations along the time. Mark, oh, and we've also recently done our HSC index as well, which has helped um, really align our um, safety strategy um, with valuable feedback from, from our people. Over to you, Mark. Yeah, look, uh, thanks, Bex. That's, you know, it's been great working with you and thank you, Myosh, for your continued support in this space. Um, a really important topic and we look, look forward to sharing more learning. Um, in the, the next couple of webinars. So today's all about um, a bit of a recap initially, and then a real focus on checking. So that the verification in the field and the broader evaluation of critical control management programs. So just a, a really quick recap. Um, webinar one, we spoke about really tailoring your approach based on your level of maturity, um, the needs of the business and the strategy, um, and different ways you can go about really understanding where you're at today versus where you want to be um, and methods to, to action and improve, um, either through um, a guide or workbook that we provide clients or any other means you think are important based on some of the external resources that we've been providing over the, the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, as we step through the, the approach, um, we've really started to focus um, in rolling out a critical control management program to align with the international standards on management systems with the view that most organisations are familiar with the approach and it's just a great way to integrate critical control management into what you're potentially doing already. Um, so we, we, we started off with identifying material unwanted events um, and then we spoke with, with Adam um, and Terry around well, what is a critical control based on those material unwanted events. Um, and then um, we explained different methods of how to set expectations and standards with, with Caitlin. And in particular, the 70-20-10 rule on building capability and high levels of performance. So now that the, the, the I guess the foundation's set, it's, um, and there's a level of execution, if you like, it, it's really, how do we check that things are, are going well? Here's a really good case study of um, an organisation that we work with that have implemented or had implemented a critical control management system. Um, and you know, they, they went through the process, they identified the material unwanted events, um, but they they've sort of um, dropped the ball, if you like, on the implementation and struggled to really get traction on effective implementation. So. Um, on the screen here is just an example of a couple of um, material unwanted events um, in working at heights um, or electrical isolation or electrical activity, um, working with electricity. And for this organisation, they chose not to set targets on volume, 
they wanted to make sure they were driving the right behaviour around shared learning and conversations before setting targets because they thought that might drive the wrong behaviour. Um, they also set some critical control effectiveness targets to better understand well, where do we want to reach, what's our goal in terms of effectiveness. Um, where they fell down um, is despite having identified those material unwanted events, um, the actual activity that was taking place based on volume was focused on um, first aid and um, more trivial matters, um, which uh, wasn't really aligned with the initial intent. So I don't think there's anything wrong with checking first aid boxes and saline solution. But in terms of the, the level of activity and resources applied, um, it wasn't necessarily an area that they wanted to focus. So they were spending a lot of time, energy and resources, potentially on the wrong area. Um, from your uh, perspective, Beck, um, I mean, do you have any learning or, or challenges in around the verification um, and the setting of targets? I think on, on this one, I guess in my experience, what I have seen um, is lots of client-driven requirements where you have to have be hitting the numbers of getting PPE checks or first aid checks or those sorts of things. So I think it's a balance of certainly when you see safety professionals these days, it's really focusing on the metrics that matter, focus on the stuff that's going to actually have the, the, the biggest impact to lower consequence of that catastrophic event happening. Um, at a, I guess, a point in time when we were undertaking some work at Heights checklist, what we did find was that as we increased the number of working at Heights checklist, we actually saw a decrease in our high potential incidents um, in the working at heights category. So there was a co correlation. It might have been good luck or, um, but it actually, the, the, the numbers did speak for themselves um, at, at that point in time. Probably for you, Mark, one of the things I'm interested in understanding is how do you, an effectiveness rate, what is that made up of? How do you, um, how do you get that percentage? Because it's not just have we done 42 work at heights checklists. It's actually what is that effectiveness score and what benefit do you get from that? Yeah, so I tend to use the analogy of uh, quality versus quantity, and it comes back to the performance standards that the organisation initially sets. So for some organisations, it's observations in the field, and that could be a checklist of is the critical control effective or not, yes, no, and an aggregation of those numbers. Um, for other organisations, it, it could be some sort of automated um, mechanisms where there's a self-detection system that um, happens automatically um, and it feeds into some other sort of system. So um, again, not a one size fits all, but um, usually what we promote is um, to try and focus on the, the quality of the control versus the volume of activity. Okay. So in, in terms of where to check, so um, this is a really important slide when we think about that um, depending on your supply chain or the life cycle of your asset or project, um, there's going to be different levels of risk based on either a geographical location, um, the time of projects or um, the, the supply chain um, milestone. Um, a really good example is food safety. So um, in food safety, there's ISO standards on um, these sorts of things that talk about um, critical control points and um, the critical control um, example typically used is temperature and food. So 
whether that's um, at, at the point of purchase or receipt or storage or or even um, cooking and then delivering the food at different points along the supply chain um, food temperature may need to be at different levels and need to be checked um, in, in different ways um, and, and so Becky, i know that you're not working in the, in the food safety industry but from your perspective how does this then relate to the psa so I think um, what's important um, when I reflect on, on, on this approach and this slide, Mark, is actually understanding the risk profile for any new project or contract at bid or tender point. So I guess from, you know, from bidding the work and understanding all of those sort of critical controls. So A, you price it correctly is one of the important things operationally. Um, but then also then you can pick that up through and actually, um, I guess, flows through nicely through, um, you know, the construction phase or mobilization phase of the project. And at, the, at those sorts of points, you can actually, um, from my perspective, increase um, checks or that, you know, you might actually say, well, as we're mobilizing the project, the working at heights risk is actually far more, prevalent because we're using X amount of EWPs or there's um, increased risk because there's more people, you can actually overlay then, um, I guess, the numbers and your focus areas at different phases of the project um, as it relates to when that risk really does come to fruition or when the likelihood is increased. Yeah, great. And look, another really good example there, Beck, is even um, the calendar period. So right. depending on the, the seasonal um, impact of your organisation, <laughs> the rush on for Christmas, you know, how do we then focus on the critical fit? Um, so in terms of um, capturing and reporting on this, so this is where a lot of organisations fall down. So it's, it is important to start with the end in mind, both you know, how is information going to be captured or detected in the first place um, and then how are you going to report on that so there's nothing wrong with starting small through um, some really effective conversations and storytelling um, and sharing um, learning talking about critical controls as opposed to other things that might be more of a distraction and just looking at different mechanisms to dovetail into your existing systems I've got to say, um, if we think about the, the, the last webinars that we've gone through, this whole process around checking the effectiveness of controls, particularly in the field, is probably the most exciting part uh, for me. Um, working in an organisation and either as a consultant, it's just a great way to engage with stakeholders and see what's working, um, as opposed to getting bogged down in, in too much of the design phase. Um, Beck, when we spoke, um, you know, BSA are a bit of a journey of trying to capture this information. You mentioned already that volumes went up. Is there anything else you want to share um, around this slide? I think probably um, just focusing on getting started to get um, rather than, I mean, there's lots of complex systems and things that you can use out there, but actually just enacting and getting out there and doing some initial um, verification activity will help drive what that end state automated solution looks like. Um, because it does change over the period of, of your critical control program, what you think you want when you first start and what will um, work for the business. And the business will change throughout that period too. Um, so I, I guess if I reflect on this one, it's actually just get started, get some data um, and then evolve your project um, as, a, as, a, as you learn more, I guess. Yeah, great. And um, some good examples of more mature organisations doing this well. Um, they're able to use um, their safety software 
um, or vehicle monitoring um, um, systems to be able to capture hard braking or speeding or pressure in pipes or whatever it might be and using that existing information or infrastructure they have to get a better handle on what their critical controls are um, not only if they're in place but how effective they are which is probably more important so checking in the field so beck you, you mentioned already that um, your organizations um, mobilized um, your supervisors and different workers in the field to, to check on critical controls. What was your experience here? I think there's a balance with this one. It always is um, with your safety resources, getting bogged down in doing the critical control checks and balancing that with actually the end state, which is operationally led. You've got your supervisors out there just looking at the things that matter, um, which is really um, the ultimate, I think, for any business is that that's what you're doing. So I think there's a balance between piloting and having safety resources who actually um, you know, intimately understand the critical control programs and actually educating and bringing people along for the journey. Um, but just being visible is really um, the, the starting point. Yeah, and look, um, apart from being visible or in addition to being visible, the other challenges um, many organisations face is how to actually conduct a verification check in the field um, effectively. So what we've got here, and hopefully it works, is Annette Gray. So Annette used to be on our advisory board and is a leadership coach, and she'll talk a little bit about her approach on coaching and obtaining feedback as it relates to um, in this circumstance related to the health and safety index, but if we apply the same principles of critical control checks, um, the learning is still very similar. I'm a leadership coach um, and I have been for about 20 years now and most of my the last 20 years has actually been training leaders to use a coaching approach in their how they have conversations. I think the benefit of feedback it gives a, a snapshot of what's happening here and now in the organisation and to be able to work with those results so it's hard data really about what's what's going on. So the main principles behind solution focus is find what's working and do more of it. Using this approach has this lens, rather than being problem focused around what's not working, let's have a look at the results and find out what is working that can be built upon. Because the fastest change happens from building on what's working. So a super powerful message from Annette, and you know, I've learned a lot from Annette in terms of how we provide feedback as an organisation, um, either be it related to the health and safety index or just general performance, and also one-on-one -on -one conversations. So um, this diagram here that um, talks about different mechanisms to obtain and work with um, individuals in providing feedback just trying to find that balance between acknowledging the past and things that might be challenging, um, but then being solution focused. So asking questions around the future, around you know, what's working, where do you want to go? Um, what are some of your challenges? Acknowledging that, what will you do more or differently? 
um, with the view of trying to focus on the positives as opposed to getting bogged down on what's not working. Um, Beck, I know that you've participated in some of Annette's coaching. Um, I mean, do you have any thoughts around either that experience or how this principle then applied to critical control um, coaching in the field? Yeah, I think one of the, um, the opportunities here is actually identifying and understanding what the challenges are and acknowledging those, but not getting too bogged down in actually the why and the how and the history and don't you understand the last five years we've had this and we've been asking for this, not getting too bogged down in those, but focusing, um, I think like Annette said, on what's working well. But in, I think in addition to that is really having those positive conversations, but also being comfortable um, in the uncomfortable conversations where actually something's not working and um, you have to workshop that control through um, with that person on site and actually um, get that feedback the other way rather than getting that feedback of, um, you know, this control was not in place, therefore you your behaviours meant that that's a, that's a, a negative. So I think it's actually... Um, being, being um, probably a bit bold and confident to be able to flag those, those issues that are just not working. Um, you know, why isn't your fall arrest system working? You know, all of those sorts of things and actually getting into the, into the detail of why things aren't working, but being comfortable enough to, um, and, and sometimes brave because it's, you know, people aren't used to those sorts of conversations. And that moves away, I think, from this whole tick and flick approach rather than actually just having positive conversations about what's working, what's not working. Um, and actually having those conversations in a critical control um, check or framework that's actually going to be the metrics that matter that do help save, you know, and reduce, save people's lives, but also reduce harm to your people across your business is sort of my thought. You've got to have, be brave and, and raise those things. And that's a, a really good segue back into moving from capturing data in the field and now reporting or escalating that in a way that um, could be used then to evaluate the broader program. So um, if we think about some of the principles that we spoke about in the past is really understanding where you're at on the maturity curve, where you are today and where you want to be. Um, and as you start looking at different mechanisms to capture and then report information, making sure it suits your organisation. I have seen organisations where um, the, the amount of administration um, to um, implement these programs outweighs some of the benefits. So you don't want to get in that situation where you're actually making things worse rather than um, better as that unintended consequences of, of not really tailoring a system to, to meet the organisation. I think, Mark, too, it's important um, along the way when you're developing your critical controls is keeping them succinct um, and not having 25 critical controls um, and, and, you know, whether they're indirect or direct controls to, to minimising that catastrophic event is really important because then your data does get very overwhelming when you're trying to look at it and slice and dice it in different ways. Yeah, yeah, true. And um, we also spoke about that same principle around what's material. So to your point back around understanding what's critical to potentially a broad uh, range of stakeholders is going to be important. Yeah. Um, th this is um, a, a bit of a slide that um, I guess helps depict a bit of a story around evaluating the effectiveness of programs. So um, based on the critical control effectiveness, 
I guess the other thing to be mindful of is that often um, there's um, a, a bit of a, a an, an approach where despite just focusing on three or four things, um, the, um, the secondary consequence of rolling out these programs is you can actually see benefits in other areas. So the, the picture on the slide is um, a, a real life example where um, I did some work in Manus Island where we actually had the frontline supervisors uh, reporting on how their critical control management program was performing and sharing stories um, as a group. So the, the secondary outcome of that is that um, apart from focusing on the critical controls, there is much greater levels of engagement, better teamwork and all those, those other um, um, outcomes of having really effective conversations and engaging teams. I think, Mark, too, on, on this slide, it's, it's one of the things, if I reflect on it too, is um, when you start to implement these sorts of things, you've got to be comfortable in having red dots on there. And that helps guide the conversations, particularly to senior executives and boards. Um, they've got to be comfortable in, and I think there sometimes can be this balance of pressure to actually make that green. Well, actually, there's going to be a heap of work to go into actually now, um, I guess, influence that over to a green. So, you know, at, at inception, being really uncomfortable that there's stuff that you've got to work on. Yeah, look, absolutely. And it comes down to, well, or can come back to the organisational strategy and where you want to be. So, you know, if the strategy is to improve shared learning or better conversations, it's less about the data and more around the, the conversations and the stories that I have. Yeah. So this is uh, another case study uh, to your point, Beck, around being comfortable with things that are, are, are red and not green. Um, if it's always green, um, you've got to raise some alarm bells around, you know, how are we actually going to improve if everything's always perfect? This is a, a real life example where um, I was working with an organisation and this was a, a, a management report. So an effectiveness score on both volume and the quality of critical controls. And month on month, it was pretty similar. By digging a little bit deeper, what we determined was that what they were actually checking um, were things like first aid boxes um, and PPE that wasn't necessarily aligned with what they intended to do. Um, and that the, the people weren't going out into the field to, to check that. So what they were getting was a bit of a false perception of what was reality. So in shifting the dial, um, being comfortable with um, scores that weren't necessarily perfect, um, despite the scorecard looking very red, um, over time what we actually saw was a reduction in safety violations with an increase in critical control checks and also a reduction in high potential impact, um, or as Beck alluded to in her organisation, they call them high potential incidents, as well as a reduction in safety violation breaches. Um, so, Beck, I'm not sure if this is exactly um, what happened in BSA, but does, does this sort of picture resonate to, to your experience as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is as you start to do the work and the automation of the reporting for me when I look at this is 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 key because as you know, businesses drive lean businesses and all of those sorts of things, you've got to be able to have systems to be able to capture this stuff. And that's probably one of the challenges we've had is um is is being able to actually have that up in dashboards and we've now progressing well through to that, which makes it, um, it makes being able to have conversations and influence at an executive and a senior management level to a point where you've got um, executive managers going, you know, how have we not refined this critical control control program because that's the stuff that matters. Um, I think, um, yeah, and absolutely being able to link it into um, high risk areas um, as well. Yeah, and isn't it refreshing to, to shift the conversation and mindset um, from the classification injury through to oh, absolutely. The, the, the quality of the control and a positive solution focused approach. So I'm mindful of the time. We've got about um, five minutes left. So we'll have to sort of rush through the, the back end to be able to have time for the poll and Q&A too. So this is just a real re recap really around um, a few pitfalls and, and leading practices. practices. So. Um, opportunities are to really focus on verifying predictive controls in the field as opposed to sitting behind a desk. Um, as Annette says, ask what's working well and, and do, more, do more of it. Um, one pitfall that um, is also very common um, from my experience is getting too focused on the data um, with the understanding that um, regardless of what the data says, you, you're going to get um, potential additional benefits and offshoot benefits of having effective conversations and the indirect benefits of having a critical control management program that's working really well. Um, as Beck said, um, let's focus on the critical few, don't have too many. Um, and really be mindful of the amount of administrative burden that you could potentially could create for your organisation, um, which may offset some of those benefits. I think Mark, I'll just... So, um, Sarah, um, time for a quick poll. Yep. I was just going to add to that one. Just making sure that you don't wait for the Rolls-Royce solution and just get started is probably something I'd add to that last one. And making sure that you've got the exec and board on, on, on board, for want of a better term. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I'm sorry, Beck, I'm sort of rushing through the back end here, but okay. I think that's a really good point. Um, um, Getting started, I'm not necessarily waiting until um, you, you've got that Rolls-Royce solution. It sounds really critical. So, Sarah, um, I'll hand things over to you for the poll. Um, and as you're doing that, I'll, I'll check some of the Q&A chat. So the, the, the poll here today is what topics would benefit your organisation, ranging from A through to E. Hopefully you can select more than one. Um, and they range from verif a verification schedule based on material unwanted events all the way through to some sort of critical control reporting templates that you could use in the absence of having any software. Hey Mark, so there's a question here from Peter. Um, good outcomes, but how do you get managers to make time to, to challenge current critical controls? Has he got a magic answer for that one? Because um, I, I guess in my experience, unless you take something away, um, and replace it with the criticals, then that's a bit tricky. And I would probably just challenge then, 
you know, the critical controls are there and the word critical is because it will prevent that um, major unwanted event or catastrophic event, however you, um, you say it. And I do, I do honestly have seen the outputs of focusing on the stuff that matters rather than the stuff that actually is just there to tick a box for, you know, accreditations and audits and things like that. But just focus on stuff that will make a difference to, to your people is how I would approach it. But, you know, Mark, what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think um, taking stuff away, as you say, is really important. Um, what I've seen work well is actually demonstrating to um, teams that we can actually give you time back. So it's not necessarily adding more, potentially, um, you can take stuff away. So if you can demonstrate and sell that you're actually making their life easier by focusing on the critical few, um, there's an opportunity, um, as well as apart from taking stuff away, is potentially just integrating into what they're doing already. I think there's also a good comment here from Luke, um, as we're doing the critical control checks, is actually looking for improvements when you're verifying effectiveness, not just the controls that aren't there. So I think that really aligns mm -hmm. with um, Annette's feedback. He's actually focusing on the stuff that works too. Um, and I think you always have to have that balance. Otherwise, um, you become the safety police when you're looking at this sort of stuff and that doesn't drive the right behaviours. That doesn't, um, you know, directly ensure that people are home safe at the end of each day. Um, <clears throat> I'm getting a little so Sarah, bit... Sarah, how's the, um, the... Yeah, I'm having an error with the poll, um, whereas I can't share the results and I don't know why. Um, but Zoom's telling me it's got an error. I will say that I can see the results and in the, the highest uh, score is the critical control management reporting templates, um, followed by simple technology to capture on-site checks and um, then skills to apply effective coaching conversations and um, with only 29% verification schedules based on material unwanted events. I'll keep trying to share it, but I'm just getting an error, which might have something to do with my internet, which is appalling at the moment. So um, I don't know if we have any um, other questions. I think you're, you've covered the chat, Rebecca. Yep, uh, yeah, the slide deck, I forgot to mention that at the start, the recording and the podcast um, will be available later today um, on that same page where the, that you register for all the webinars. I'm just going to also share, um, Annette, Annette Gray's done a couple of webinars for us um, on finding out what works and doing more of it. So I'm going to just put that in the link as well in the chat. Um, hopefully I can do that with the... Uh, software not working very well and um is there anything else you want to say mark look um there were some additional resources um on the slide deck um assuming that the slide deck is made available at a later stage i think time's got the better of us today sarah so um those additional resources we really geared towards food safety so Hopefully everyone on the call can, can access the, the MOF website and get those at a, a later stage. Yep. Okay, so there's the webinars for from Annette. Um, one of the results um, that came up in that poll was the um, simple technology to capture on-site checks. And I don't normally do this, but I'm going to give a shameful push to for our webinar next week on critical control management we've got um 
uh, we've got Josh Bryant joining us, but the Myers team are actually going to present a game-changing digital bow tie together with critical control management and smart inspections. And Josh Bryant, who's the general manager of people and risk from Mitchell, will discuss the Mitchell's implementation and the dramatic results that they've achieved. So I'm just going to put a link to that webinar also in here. And um, also uh, the webinar for next week for the part five in the critical control management series, which is evaluating effectiveness to add value. Those links in the chat. And, and the Myers webinar is here. And that's, that's two webinars next week, Wednesday and Thursday. Hopefully internet is good. All right. so. Um, I think there was some great feedback in the chat, um, Mark, um, and thank you, Rebecca, for joining us today. That was great. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. See you back. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye.